glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts that are part of this network. The likes of Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan are just a bunch of other great podcasts, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. Today's episode, Matt is jumping back on with me today again as we break down the last six games on the Sunday slate and the so-called game that we had on Monday Night Football. And we've got Mr. Matthew Fox with us uh, again here today. Matt, how was your Monday night uh, football and fantasy experience? Uh, it was pretty good. I actually um, uh, had a couple of matchups I was monitoring. Uh, George Kittle's performance put me over the top in my work league where um, the two highest scoring people by about 100 points were playing each other. Oh, wow. And... Uh, his his last touchdown put me ahead by three points. I'm sure the guy I was playing is crushed. Yeah, I imagine that wasn't uh, – <laughs> that, 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 that always sucks when it comes down to that Monday night football matchup and you end up losing by like a couple points. Uh, always drives me crazy. Uh, we were just talking off air a second ago there. We we were playing each other in the FLA Riders League, and it looked like I had a chance to beat you. You had a, I think, what did you say? It was like a half-point lead, and I had Odell and Baker going into that game. Or no, Chubb and Baker going into that game, and then that obviously uh, did not work out for me at all. Good old Baker Mayfield just causing me all kinds of stress and drama uh, last night. was not was not a fun game being a Browns fan, but we will definitely save that game. Unfortunately, for the last part of this podcast, we will kick it off, though, with the rest of the... We had six games that we left uh, we did not do yesterday. We'll do those from the Sunday games, and then we'll finish it up with the Browns and 49ers. First and ten at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down and 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's to the 15, he's to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. There goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb, a 92 yards! 
The first game that we're going to talk about uh, was the Ravens and the Steelers, a game that went into overtime, a much more competitive game than I expected. I honestly thought with uh, Mason Rudolph being out there for the Steelers that the Ravens would kind of pull away with this one eventually, uh, but they, they kept it close, and, and the Steelers actually had a chance to go in and win it, uh, a fumble at the end by Juju Smith-Schuster in overtime is really kind of what gave Baltimore the win here. Lamar Jackson struggles again, though, 19-28, 161, a touchdown, three interceptions, does add 70 yards on the ground to come in as QB 18 with 18.19 points. Mark Ingram, 44 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown to come in as RB 23 with 12.9 points. Marquise Hollywood Brown comes in at wide receiver 40, I'm 30, 32 with 11.2 points, 22 yards, a touchdown on three catches. Willie Sneed leads uh, the fantasy wide receivers with uh, 51 yards on four catches to come in as wide receiver 40 with 9.10 points. And then Mark Andrews just continues to dominate as a top tier tight end, does get the most targets on the day with seven as well. 45 yards on five catches, tight end 10 with 11 points. We saw Lamar struggle again in this one. I know you are, are someone that was in the same boat as me and that we weren't necessarily buying into Lamar's uh offensive outbreak in the first two weeks and him being fixed as a quarterback. It does seem like the defense, if they do a really good job of taking the run away and force him to throw the ball, he does tend to struggle much like he did last year, but he does look better than last year. I will give him that. Outside of Ingram and Andrews, do you trust a, Do you trust playing anybody else on this offense? No, and I, you know, I said last week, I think Ingram is... And, and if he wants... I think Lamar Jackson, you're probably playing. Um, given where quarterbacks been, even big name guys like Aaron Rodgers are middle of the pack in terms of quarterbacks. Yeah. So Lamar Jackson, with his rushing ability, I think gives you a safe floor. And even though you're not going to see the lofty highs, um, I, I still think he's worth a play. Ingram's kind of an interesting one. I still feel like he's a little bit in that Derrick Henry class for me in that you're kind of, if he gets you a touchdown, it's a fine day, you know. Yeah. But two receptions for five yards, he's not a huge part of the passing game. Their passing game in general, I think, is sort of iffy week to week. He had 19 carries, which you like, uh, a little bit of better percentage than he had the week before, but only 44 yards. That touchdown is what really props you up. That's probably what makes this day better than last week when he was more efficient, just didn't get as many touches and wasn't as needed. I had actually picked the Steelers in this game. I think that the Ravens defense has issues that we're just starting to realize because of the schedule they played early. And I think, you know, Lamar Jackson probably has grown as a passer, but the first two games of the season against two really soft defenses in Miami and Arizona I think gave us a little bit of a false impression. He struggled even a little bit against Kansas City, which isn't the toughest pass defense. And as they get into their schedule, I think he's coming back to earth a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean that's and that's again something we've talked about. Uh, neither one of us, and I know Dennis wasn't as either uh, as high on Lamar Jackson. In fact, I, I put out on Twitter after Week One when you had all those people out there high fiving themselves, talking about how they 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 were saying Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback since Michael Vick and all this, and I was like. Maybe you guys want to pump the brakes just a little bit. They were playing what we all consider to be the worst team in the NFL in the Miami Dolphins. Like, let's not let's not jump up and say that Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the league right now. He obviously had two great weeks, but you know, you could even go back to the game last week where he got destroyed by the Browns. Uh, and, and you mentioned the Chiefs game, like even the Chiefs game. His day does not look at all that good if he doesn't get those two YOLO passes that we talked about. And then same thing with the Browns. He was going up against like third and fourth string uh, cornerbacks and defensive backs on the field for the Browns and yet still struggled in that one. It was the the last touchdown to, I think it was actually Willie Sneed where he caught like a, a, a pass and got past the defender and scored like a 60 or 70 yard touchdown within garbage time that really kind of boosted his day up as well. So Lamar has definitely come back to earth. I, I agree with you. He is definitely better than last year. Like uh, I've seen him make some throws this year that I don't think I saw him come close to making last year. So he's definitely improved, but he, he's not a, and he's not a finished product either. We, we can't say that he is what he is. He's young. He, he's still, you know, building into the NFL, learning how to pass the ball as an NFL quarterback. He was not asked to do that a lot at Louisville. So I still think Lamar Jackson has a high ceiling. I don't know if he reaches that this year. Uh, I agree with what you were saying on Ingram. In fact, I believe we were both on the sell high train for him last week, uh, and I'm still there. If you can sell high on Mark Ingram, I would do it because, as you mentioned, he's just not doing anything in the receiving game, and, and I think that's what's going to be key for him moving forward. If they start getting in these games where they're behind even more and more and they go away from the run, Mark Ingram is not going to get you anything. So if you can, sell high on him now because they do have a an interesting schedule moving forward there's they've obviously got some games you know bangles um my goodness i can't think of who their uh who their other guys are i know the bangles uh they've got i mean really and the jets really for me is it on their schedule that are beatable after that you've got the 49ers we saw what they did the patriots seahawks rams bills and uh the browns and steelers again so I would honestly be really worried about Mark Ingram um, keeping up that that high-end value that he has right now. So if you could, I would sell high on him. On the Steelers' side, we saw Mason Rudolph um, unfortunately get knocked out of this game on, on a pretty vicious hit. I don't think there was any malice or, 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 or intent behind um, – my goodness, who was it that hit him? I, I just had his name in my head, and it jumped out. Um, who was it? Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Yeah, there we go. Earl Thomas, yeah. Uh, so – uh, and and it was if you watch the hit, he was dropping his shoulder. It looked like he was trying to hit shoulder to shoulder. Unfortunately, his head just kind of caught Mason Rudolph in the chin, completely knocked him out before he even hit the ground. Before that was one thirty one hundred thirty one yards, a touchdown, thirteen of twenty. Was uh, finished the day on as QB twenty three with fourteen point four nine points. We saw Devlin Hodges come in and actually look fairly decent for the most part, seven and nine, sixty eight yards. Uh, finished his QB twenty nine, six point four seven points. He will at least be the starter for the. Steelers this week. We'll see how long Mason Rudolph is out. I cannot imagine uh, that he plays this week. I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but there's, I, I just I don't see any way he plays this Sunday. James Conner gets you 55 yards, a touchdown on 14 carries to come in at RB29 with 11.5 points. Juju has a bounce back game here. Wide receiver 13 with 20.75 yards on a uh, with a touchdown on seven catches. 
Uh, James Washington actually came alive a little bit with uh, Devlin Hodges as well. 52 yards on three catches to come in as wide receiver 39 with 9.7 points. And we got a Vance McDonald siding in this one. 34 yards on three catches. Tied in 21 with 6.4 points. I guess the big question for me is going to be, we know at least Hodges, Hodges will likely be in this Sunday. Outside of Juju and Connor, which I feel like you have to start because there's... Chances are, unless you're playing in like an 8 or 10 man league, you, you don't have the depth to replace those two, especially where you drafted them. So outside of Juju and Connor, are you willing to start anybody in this offense until at least Mason Rudolph comes back? No. I mean, it's a decent matchup with uh, the Chargers. We saw Denver uh, have some success last week in Los Angeles. Uh, it's a night game, so so you never know. I, I thought Hodges looked... Decent. A week of preparation might help him some, um, but you know it's really hard to trust who a secondary wide receiver would even be. Yeah, uh, past Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, so really, I think it's kind of just those two. Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I would still say it's Deontay Johnson. We saw him uh, really kind of come on there with Mason Rudolph again. James Washington actually got most of his work with Hodges, but I'm with you. There's I mean, unless you're in a super yeah. deep league and you just want to take a shot and throw one of those out there, but I would not feel comfortable at all. Uh, I'm with you. It's Juju and Connor for me, and that's it. Well, that's kind of that's how I feel. Like Deontay Johnson, I'm still rostering him. Yeah. But I thought his real value and the upside we were seeing is he really had something going with Mason Rudolph, and with him not in there, I don't know that you know you're feeling super comfortable um, starting him. Yeah, and I would say unless there's some news that comes out between now and Sunday's game where they say Mason Rudolph is out the rest of the season, I would not drop Deontay Johnson. I would hold on to him because, as you just said, he he did have great chemistry with him. Chances are Rudolph will likely be back by next week, hopefully. Uh, I mean, obviously his health comes first, and we hope that he's going to be okay. So if he's back by next week, then I would feel comfortable throwing Johnson back in there. So he's not someone I would drop until or unless you hear that Rudolph is going to be out. And I don't want to see. Even then, I would probably hold on to him because, as you mentioned, Hodges did look decent. And maybe a week of preparation, we see him kind of start getting a connection with Johnson, uh, which we saw really, uh, uh, as you said, Rudolph have with him. Let's I think the real thing is Johnson seems like if you're going for a second receiver on the Steelers, you know, Moncrief is not even out there anymore, thankfully. We had had hope for Washington, but it seems like Deontay Johnson is having the breakout season that we thought. Washington might have so yeah just something to keep and and something else to watch too I was almost going to skip right over this Uh, Jalen Samuels actually had a knee scope and so he will be out for at least a month I believe was what the reports are saying Uh, so that's definitely going to give an uptick to more than likely the wide receivers or James Conner, who we've not really seen involved in the passing game Uh, before we move on from the Steelers I guess I should ask any um does does uh, Benny Snell pique your interest at all? I mean, we've really seen them kind of using Samuel and James Conner here in this uh, in in the backfield. I don't think Benny Snell does not have nearly the pass catching ability that Jalen Samuels does. So, do you think that moves Snell really just into a backup role for Conner, and we see Conner kind of taking the full workload like we did last year? Yeah, I think so. It seemed to me the last couple of weeks where we've really seen Samuels come out. 
Um, because Connor actually made most of his points uh, as a receiver in that game against the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, where we really saw Snell, or uh, excuse me, Samuels getting involved is they were running a lot of wildcat. Um, and, you know, that wasn't as effective for them against the Ravens with uh, Samuels. You know, he only threw it twice, and one of those was an interception. Yeah. Uh, we really only saw him get a couple of carries and only have a couple of catches. I'm hoping this, you know, maybe this will do for Connor a little bit of what we saw the Jamal Williams injury do for Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe go back to, okay, well, we have one running back now we can feature instead of, well, we have a couple of guys. We need to figure out how to get them all involved. I feel like from a fantasy perspective, that is killing us with a ton of teams this year. That's what I constantly harp on with Denver. It's not that I don't think Royce Freeman and or Philip Lindsay are both good and talented. It's trying to figure out how the coach is going to decide to deploy them because they feel like they need to deploy them both. I feel like we were getting that a little bit here with Pittsburgh throughout this season that they saw something with Samuels at the end of last year. They don't want to just leave him on the bench for nothing. And they've been trying to find ways to get them both involved. But when you do that, you know, the real fantasy golds when it comes to a running back and what a lot of people thought we would get with Connor is what we saw the first like 12 weeks last year where he was a number one he's getting passes he's running it's that real three down involvement so I'll be curious to see with Samuels out if they commit more to doing that with Connor and if it's successful the other thing you know Mike Munchak left as the offensive line coach in Pittsburgh you have to wonder if that's taken a little bit of a toll on uh, their product because it doesn't seem like they've had as much success running the ball in general as they have in a couple of years past. Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of people are kind of blaming that on Connor and saying that he he was kind of fool's gold, not quite what we thought he was last year. I would say it probably. I'm sure it has some to do with Connor, but I, I like the Mike Munchak call there. That it might have something to do with it as well because he is widely regarded as the best offensive line coach in the game. The next game that we're going to talk about is the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins. New England winning 33-7, moving to 5-0, and dropping the Redskins to 0-5. On the Patriots side, uh, Tom Brady goes off in this one, finishing his QB5 with 36.92 points. Um, he goes 348 yards, three touchdowns, one interception on 28 of 42. We saw Sony Michelle actually have a really good game here, finishing his RB9. 21.3 points in this one, 91 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown, and stop the presses. We have breaking news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. He actually caught three passes. I mean, he got involved into the passing game. So, all right, Sony Michelle, I love it. He, 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 he's, he he's back. He lives. Yeah, he is. I'm happy as someone who dragged or dragged. My goodness, drafted Sony Michelle. See him out there passing or catching passes is just phenomenal. So, as I said, 32 yards on three catches in this one. Again, finishing as RB nine. James White has a solid day. RB 22, 13.2 points, 46 yards on six catches, adds 26 yards on six rushes. Julian Edelman has a fantastic day here, which was kind of surprising because there was a lot of talk about him possibly not even playing in 
this game. 110 yards on eight catches and a touchdown to come in as wide receiver 10 on the week with 25 points. Josh Gordon struggled a little bit in this one, just 59 yards on five catches. Did get eight targets, uh, and then they did miss him on a touchdown pass. Uh, It was a little over his head had he caught that. Obviously a much better day. 10.9, wide receiver 34. And then the big news... Ryan Izzo at tight end, 39 yards and a touchdown on two catches. Again, they were playing probably, not even probably, one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now. Explains why they had such a good day. They did struggle last week a little bit against the Pat, or the Bills. For me, obviously, Gordon, Edelman, White, and, and Brady, for the most part, are, are obvious starters every week. You don't have to question it. There's two people that I want to talk to you about. Is Michelle back? Are, are we finally back in believing in Michelle? Do we think he is good to go? And then what are your thoughts on Izzo? Uh, they, they dropped Ben Watson, or they released Ben Watson. It's not fantasy. They released Ben Watson. So it comes down to now Izzo being the tight end. Do we think he has any kind of fantasy upside moving forward? Um, I don't think it's just Izzo because Matt Lacoste has been their starter and they I, I was watching periods of that game where they were trying plays to Lacoste. So I don't think it's going to be a one focus tight end. I just think they were okay with what they had at tight end. But to me, that was probably one of the most shocking things. I don't know about you, but I had stashed Watson in a few leagues. You figured yeah, when he came out of retirement, the play there, that was going to be big. Uh, so kind of interesting i would not say i'm uh trusting izzo but um you know sonny michelle it was nice to see him back involved they've said for a couple weeks they were going to try to feature him didn't really pan out when you're playing a team like the bills uh but it looks like they wanted to get him going uh burkhead was out in this game so i don't know how much that's gonna affect things i feel like this is classic New England. They have two or three receivers they like. They have two or three tight ends they're going to play. They have two or three running backs they like. And depending on what's popping when, they're going to go off, which is great and from an NFL perspective. That's what makes them so dangerous and always so uh, tough to game plan for. But from a fantasy perspective, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, the good news, I guess, for Michelle Owner, if it did have uh, something to do with Burkhead, there's a lot of talk that he's likely going to be out for the Thursday game as they play the Giants here in just two days. And the Giants' defense is not much better against the run, so that might be at least you get two good weeks out of Sony Michelle before Burkhead comes back. Hasn't been ruled out for sure yet, but there is a lot of talks that he will not play. On the Redskins side, we saw Colt McCoy get the start, 18-27, 119 yards and an interception to come in as QB 28 with 8.6 points. Uh, at the running back position, Chris Thompson continues to pretty much be the guy in the receiving game mostly and, and doing a little bit in the rushing, 21 yards on four carries, and then gets you 17 yards on five catches to come in at RB 38 with 8.7 points. We saw Steven Sims Jr., uh, uh, I was going to say freshman, rookie wide receiver, uh, coming at wide receiver 21 14.6 points, a 65-yard touchdown run, and then he did absolutely nothing in the receiving game, two catches, one yard. Not anybody I'm worried about for fantasy, but at least he did show up in this one. But it's Terry McLaurin again. Most targets right there with Chris Thompson, seven targets, three catches, 51 yards, still dealing a little bit with the hamstring issue. Wide receiver, 45 with 8.1 points. 
I mean, we we talked a little bit about this yesterday with Jay Gruden being fired and and all the drama and everything surrounding this team. I think for me, moving forward, Chris Thompson, low-end flex play, and then Terry McLaurin is really the only guy I trust putting in my lineup every week. What about you? That's 100% correct. You know, there's Steven Talk now. Uh, will Jordan Reed ever come back? Um, I think it's it's looking pretty bad. You know, he's had a lot of concussions, out with that concussion again. They don't have a very good offensive line. Uh, they don't appear to be making any strides or any are able to make any strides to fix that. It doesn't look like Trent Williams is coming back. So all those people that held out hope we were going to see another 1,000-yard season from Adrian Peterson – uh, at this point, he looks like he might be lucky to have a 500-yard season. We have no idea if and when Geis might come back. I think no one has even talked about him in weeks, uh, which kind of makes you wonder. At the time, it, there was a lot of hope it was only going to be a few weeks. So the, the Redskins are really not a great team. And honestly, with uh, they're gonna, it's going to depend on the matchups, too, whether you even want to play McLaren. Like, I love him, but I didn't throw him in any lineups this week because I figured he was getting Stephon Gilmore. Yeah. And he did okay, but it certainly sucked the top off of it. Chris Thompson uh, seems to have a relatively steady floor, but he's not putting up any incredible numbers either. When the Redskins, you know, we thought that we would see some good performances when they played in a mediocre defense like the Giants, and that didn't happen. This is probably the week. If you see, if you're ever going to get an explosion from from any of the players, it's going to be <laughs> in the tank bowl against Miami. Oh yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's going to be rough. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. Callahan seems really committed to sticking with either Colt McCoy or Case Keenum, and Keenum wasn't terrible uh, to start the season. He had some decent games, but it just feels like that entire organization is in turmoil, and uh, you know they're they're barely a notch above the Dolphins, in my opinion. Yeah, so when you when you talk about Jordan Reed not coming back, I take it no faith in Jeremy Sprinkle, huh? I don't think he has a chance to be anything fantasy relevant. Yeah, I'm not really – I mean, Vernon Davis, I would argue, is a better talent than Jeremy Sprinkle, and we weren't really seeing a, a huge uh, push from him. Jordan Reed, there was always that hope that we'd see something close to the flashes we'd seen before, but I don't even know how good I'd feel – about him at this point in time you know they paid a lot of money to paul richardson a lot of people had hopes for trey quinn we just aren't seeing it consistently enough now when you're in the depths and you have some of these bye weeks i think there's six teams out this week yep uh, that may give you some pause there's going to be times where you have four to six teams that are all huge fantasy relevant teams you know so you may have to go down in the depths this week if you had to cover for some of those bye weeks I might be more willing to take a chance on a guy because they're playing Miami. But there, then again, some people were making jokes. It might be the first 0-0 game in NFL history <laughs> and the way they're going. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, man, with as bad as Miami's defense is, they've got to at least get three points on the board. I mean, I would imagine they at least get three. It's going to be like a 3 nothing game. And you're going to think it's a defensive struggle, but really it's just the offenses both suck. Next up, we had the opposite of that in a massive shootout between the Falcons and the Texans. Falcons 32, Texans 53. For the Falcons, Matt Ryan comes in at QB2 with 45.9 points, 32 of 46, 
330 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Devontae Freeman continues to provide a little bit of value here. 30 yards on 11 carries, adds 40 yards on five catches and a touchdown to come in as RB14 with 18 points. And then all three wide receivers go off in this one. Calvin Ridley, 88 yards, five catches and a touchdown to come in at wide receiver 14 with 19.8 points. Muhammad Sanu, who I said to start on Friday's podcast, Comes through for you. Five catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Continues to ball out here. Third week in a row. Wide receiver, 18 with 15.3 points. Julio Jones, I take that back. He did not come through for you. 42 yards on three catches. Wide receiver, 53 with 7.2 points. And then Austin Hooper continues to be a tight end one. 56 yards, six catches. Tight end six with 13.6 points in this one. For the Falcons, I mean, even though they continue to lose, all these guys continue to put up a ton of fantasy points. I mean, even when they're getting blown out, I can't remember what game it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, they were they really weren't in it until the fourth quarter. Go back to week one against the Vikings, same thing. They weren't in it, and then all of a sudden they start putting up points in the fourth quarter, and all their guys outside of Freeman came through in that one. Uh, I mean, are you really worried about anybody on this offense for fantasy reasons? Um, I'm still not, not that excited about Freeman. If you looked at, you know, the touchdown, uh, helps and he gets five catches for 40 yards. This was another one. If they're going to have a lot of garbage time, I guess you have to hope that he's getting receptions, but he had one fewer target and one fewer reception than Ido Smith. Ido Smith also had five carries for 19 yards, arguably looked just as good running the ball. I mean, Freeman, 30 yards on 11 carries. He had a 21-yard run, which means he also had 10 carries for 9 yards. I don't know that his efficiency is incredible. He gets a touchdown, which props some things up, but I I don't know how much you can count on that. I mean, Julio Jones fans are nodding their head in agreement right now. (laughs) Uh, Falcons, you know, they they were down... They had only scored 17 points going into the fourth quarter, so they kind of exploded for a couple of touchdowns because they were so far down in the hole. Yeah. They have offensive line issues. They have defensive back end issues. I guess the only thing to be excited about is, uh, from a passing standpoint, it seems like almost certainly they're going to be behind a lot uh, continuing to go forward because I think they had another injury in that secondary. They already aren't looking that great. And then they had another injury. Um, So... There's definitely seems to be fantasy potential. I don't know that I feel rock solid about Devontae Freeman. I guess he might be one of those guys that just ends up like RB14 at the end of the season with me not feeling confident any week based on what we're seeing. But, uh, you know, I guess if your offense is out there a lot and putting up 30 points, you're always going to have a chance to be involved. Yeah, I mean, for me, he falls much in that Mark Ingram territory where I would sell high on him, especially now. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people tried to sell high on him last week, uh, where it was, was really by far his best game of the season. Now he's done it two weeks in a row, so you can probably still get, I would say, 90 cents on the dollar with that. I, I doubt you're going to get your full return of what you would hope to get for a guy that what used to be a top-tier uh, running back. But I think you can probably get something good for him. In a dynasty league, I'd be trying to move him because I'm with you. I don't think he's good. I own him in a couple leagues, and I'm really trying to move him for something decent because uh, I don't think that this continues to, to to roll out the way that it has. Because as, as you pointed out, for those people who don't look that deep into the stats, it's the touchdowns that have saved him the past two weeks. Without those, he has very pedestrian days. 
On the Texans side, Deshaun Watson comes in at QB1 on the week with four touchdowns in this one. Just, or I'm sorry, five touchdowns. 426 yards, 28 of 33, adds 47 yards on the ground, 58.7 points, won a lot of people there weeks with his running mate out there of Will Fuller, who finished as wide receiver one with 53.7 points, uh, 217 yards on 14 catches and three touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins comes in at wide receiver 17 with 15.8 points, 88 yards on seven catches, and then the backfield just continues continues to be a pain in the ass. Carlos Hyde running back 27 with 12 points, 60 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown. Duke Johnson gets 59 yards on nine carries uh, and does add in one catch for eight yards to come in at RB 42 with 7.7 points. I mean, Watson and Fuller, whether they were on the same team or opposite teams, won people their matchups this week. Just ridiculous output by those two. What's even more surprising for me was how often Will Fuller was targeted as well. 16 targets, which was just insane. That doubled up the next best person, which was DeAndre Hopkins with eight. So they really kind of went to Fuller a lot, likely because... Hopkins was getting double teamed. I don't know that for a fact. I did not watch a lot of this game, so I don't know what the reasoning was for him to get targeted as much as he did. But are you trusting Will Fuller now? I mean, has has that performance right there, he went from wide receiver 63 all the way up to wide receiver 7 in just the one week. He's he's always been very boomer bust. We saw last year he actually went on a nice, I believe it was four-week run with uh, Watson before he got hurt. With that performance right there, is Fuller back? Is he worthy of putting in your lineup every week a set-and-forget-it kind of guy? I think it depends on what you're expecting. If you're expecting that kind of production every week, you're probably going to be disappointed. But we talked about uh, a little bit last week. He's had some fairly uh, steady um, targets. Uh, he wasn't having huge and impressive days, but he had pretty steadily been second in targets, not that far off from Hopkins. I'm really kind of annoyed with myself because – I had projected possibly when we were doing our Friday preview in print that it would be a great week to throw Fuller out there because what we had seen receivers do to this Atlanta secondary, and then I forgot to put him in a couple of my lineups. So I I watched those 53 points on my bench and thought, well, hope I help somebody else, not myself. Uh, so I, you know, if you're thinking you're going to get this every week, I think that's still going to somewhat depend on matchups, but I think he's still a decent play. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing I know we touched on last week was, uh, he actually had, um, Deshaun Watson just missed him and Deandre Hopkins last week for touchdowns. So Will Fuller, as you said, has been very involved. I don't think anybody, I, I I'll just tell you right now, don't expect another 200 yard, three touchdown game from Will Fuller that, I believe the the stat I read this morning was that finished as like the fifth best uh, game all time in fantasy at the wide receiver position. So that's not something that happens every week or even often within a year. So likely never going to happen again for him. Hopefully you were lucky like me and threw him in some lineups just because you. I was actually forced to. It's not that I wanted to. Obviously that worked out for me in the two leagues that I had him. But speaking of Will Fuller, as you said, he he's really kind of been right there with DeAndre Hopkins in targets. 
DeAndre Hopkins, I think it's fair to say he's kind of sucked this year, especially where you drafted him. Most had him as the number one or number two wide receiver off the board, either right ahead of or right behind Devontae Adams, and he has not come through for you. This has not at all been the season we expected him to have, especially after what we saw last year with at least, uh, I believe it was 70 yards or a touchdown in every game, a lot like Devontae Adams last year. He has yet to do anything outside of that week one game. Is it time to lower expectations on full, on uh, on Hopkins. I, I think it might be. I don't know if it's a product of the defense or uh, or what's going on, but you would think in a game where they were finally able to find some room and explode that you would get a little better outing uh, from Hopkins, but really uh, only targeted eight times, seven for 88. You know, not terrible, but not what you were hoping or expecting. Um, you know, even when they played Tennessee the week earlier, Atlanta let both big receivers get in for touchdowns. Um, you know, I would have thought Hopkins in a game where they scored 53 would have gotten in the end zone. It just looks like it might be a bit of a tougher year. He still seems to be a focal point of the offense, but he's also probably a focal point of the defense, even more so with no Lamar Miller, because while Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson have been okay back there, there's not a huge backfield threat. And I think that's just impacting a little bit of the way people are trying to defend them. Uh, you know, Fuller has always been kind of their deep, deep target guy. I feel like everybody now has a singular weapon to focus on uh, in DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, and we, I, I should mention, I didn't have him, uh, I didn't say his stats. I imagine not a lot of people started him, but Kiki Kuti actually uh, showed up a little bit in this one. Three for 72, again, he had a 51-yard play, so really outside of that 51-yard play didn't do much, but he got a little bit involved in the game as well. Next up, we've got the first of the two, only two afternoon games, which I absolutely hate when they only do two or three afternoon games uh, and they put so many on in the morning. Uh, but the Broncos get their first victory over the Chargers, 22-13. For the Broncos side, Joe Flacco, 14 of 20, 182 yards, one touchdown, one interception to come in at QB 25 with 13.48 points. Phillip Lindsay has himself a day, my guy. I hate that I traded him away last week 114 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown uh, and adds 33 yards on four catches to come in at running back seven with 24.7 points Royce Freeman RB 38 with 8.7 points 61 yards on 13 carries two catches for six yards Cortland Sutton continues to be a very good wide receiver someone not being talked a lot about Comes in this week at wide receiver 15 with 19.2 points, 92 yards, and a touchdown on four catches. And Emmanuel Sanders struggles a little bit in this one. Nine yards on just one catch, just one target. Coming in at wide receiver 90 with 1.9 points. As I said, the Broncos get their first win, give Vic Fangio that first win of the season, which I imagine felt good. They probably should be sitting at 3-2 and two right now. I feel like they really got screwed out of two games. Uh, but, but really, and in my opinion, have looked good in most of the games that I've seen them play in. Sutton has been extremely surprising for me. I know we talked about this last week because he had a really good game as well. Me and Dennis both said that we thought he was going to have a phenomenal season this year. Again, that was predicated on us not thinking Sanders was going to be back. 
Sanders has been back and for the most part been very good himself, and yet Sutton has been balling out. He's actually sitting just outside the top 10 at wide receiver for fantasy right now, a guy that I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to. So I want to get your thoughts on on this wide receiver core, being the Broncos fan that you are. I mean, is it surprising to you seeing what Sutton is doing? And then what um are you worried about Sanders? Because I'll, I'll say I did not get a chance to watch a lot of this game, so I don't know why he only got the one target. I'm hoping that you can tell us why it seemed like he was kind of uninvolved in the offense this week. Um, they didn't have a very robust pass offense in general. In fact, Sutton with 92 yards and a touchdown, a little deceptive. He had one long... 70-yard touchdown grab. Aside from that, he caught three passes for 22 on six targets. They So the way – I think my perception watching uh, the, the team play for five weeks is their offense is better than it was last year, mm-hmm. um, but it's still not a huge high-octane offense. And I think they have pieces. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, and then Freeman. There are ancillary pieces that – on occasion uh, are involved or will have a day, you know, like Fant a couple weeks ago caught a 25-yard touchdown pass, kind of boosts him up. There's four main pieces that it seems like they feature. Uh, What I have gathered in watching this is you're only going to get one or two that have a great day at a time, and it's going to be tough to tell which one it's going to be. You know, we've had Philip Lindsay has had a couple of huge games. I feel like if they've more consistently featured him, they might do better. He had a couple of tremendous runs, um, and I thought overall he looked better uh, than Freeman. Both of them ran better because this was the first game with Andy Janovich, our fullback, back mm-hmm. from injury. He got in the preseason tore pectoral muscle. It uh, feels like the running game was a lot more successful this week, so they focused more on the run. Only 20 pass attempts for Flacco, uh, only 182 yards passing, and again, he had that 70-yard touchdown pass, which kind of plates a lot of different things the week before when he threw for over 300 yards both Sanders and Sutton had big days and the running backs had kind of iffy days so I think it's really I mentioned last week it's going to be frustrating a little bit owning either of these running backs for fantasy purposes I might change the corollary to it's going to be frustrating to own any of the Broncos Week to week, I feel like Sutton probably has the safest floor at this point in time. He's steadily getting targets. He seems to be uh, at least making catches and making at least one big catch a game. Mm-hmm. Sanders, I feel like it was a little bit of game plan. They had a couple of plays that they tried to go to him that were removed due to penalty. Uh, in weeks past, I've told you a couple of Lindsay's long runs have been yeah. pulled back as a penalty, and it impacts the way the box score looks at the end. Uh but overall, I I feel like Mike Bunchak's impact on this offensive line has really been seen the last three weeks. Week two, if you recall, watching Denver against Chicago, Garrett Bowles, the left tackle, got flagged for holding four accepted penalties, but a bunch more times than that that were not accepted. He was just getting eaten alive. People were talking about the fact they couldn't block at all. You have not heard his name called in a good sense in the last three weeks. Uh, they have made, with, without Jawan James, who was their big uh, free agent pickup at right tackle, he got injured week one, hasn't played. This line has quietly been improving, getting better. And, uh, you know, with Andy Janovich coming back, I think you may see them lean into the running game a little bit more. I think that's something that 
uh, Rich Scangarello likes. If you remember, he was with uh, San Francisco last year, and San Francisco was very difficult to gauge which receiver was going to go off and which running back because they would rotate, and they, somebody was always going to be successful, but you weren't sure who. That's part of the Shanahan system, as we've seen that still be the case with San Francisco, but I think you're going to get that a little bit here with Denver. And so, it, you know, it might be frustrating. I feel like Lindsey's the safest running back choice, Sutton's the safest receiver choice, but I wouldn't be surprised from week to week if Freeman got a touchdown and was the better running back or caught five balls and was the better running back or if Sanders exploded and was the better receiver. They have four weapons. They're just one of those teams that's going to try to win games and is more interested in that than forcing it to one player, I think. Yeah, I think uh, for me... I would definitely feel fine or, or safe leaning on Lindsey and Sutton every week. You're going to get those duds from them. I mean, even Lindsey, I think in his bad games, is still giving you 7 to 10 points just because of what he's also doing in the receiving game. Even when he's not getting that many rushes, we're not getting a lot, whether it was due to uh, the penalties or just Freeman looking better on those drives. But but he's at least giving you a pretty safe floor. And as has Sutton. I mean, Sutton has really looked good. Like I said, you're, I mean, it has been a weird year for fantasy, as we talked about yesterday. But still, Sutton sitting right outside the top 10 at wide receiver is not a fluke. And, and we all knew he had the talent coming into the NFL. So I'm with you. I, I would feel every week I'd be fine plugging both of those guys in your lineup sure there's going to be weeks that you're not going to get production from them but I feel like you can say that about just about everybody now outside of like Austin Eckler and freaking Amari Cooper who's who's all of a sudden become a stud the best wide receiver in the NFL which we'll get to here in the next game uh and speaking of Austin Eckler on the Chargers side here Phillip Rivers 32 of 48 211 yards two interceptions to come in as QB 26 with 12.14 points Austin Eckler, even with Gordon back, has a really good day here, mostly in the passing game, though. RB8 on the day with 22.3 points. He only gets three carries to Gordon's 12, but gets you seven yards. Does get 15 receptions for 86 yards. Melvin Gordon, 31 yards on those 12 carries and only gets four catches for seven yards, coming in at RB41 with 7.8 points. Mike Williams has the big day here at the receiver position, 74 yards on six catches. Keenan Allen, just 18 yards on four catches to come in at wide receiver 60 with 5.8 points. I'm not worried about Keenan Allen at all. I think this was, uh, as I put in the notes here, he got Chris Harris. Uh, Chris Harris, from what I heard, again, I did not get a chance to watch all this game, was covering Keenan Allen most of the time. We've sung his praises many times on this podcast already. One of the best cornerbacks in the league. I don't care who he's going up against. He's likely going to shut you down. I think Allen's going to be fine. The big question for me is is Eckler. We, we've seen him now. We're five weeks in, and he has been an absolute stud, has finished in the top five to ten every single week. Melvin Gordon got a little bit more work this week. Likely he's going to come back and take a full workload uh, for, take on the full workload within the next week or two. How much longer do you think we can trust playing Austin Eckler? I actually think Eckler's going to remain a, a flex option. San Diego doesn't have a lot of uh, – San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers do not have a lot of depth, it seems like, at wide receiver. Uh, you are right about Harris being on Keenan Allen. Mike Williams uh, came in and out a couple of times, had a little back tweak. Um, but they were they were using him. They're not getting a lot out of tight end. Maybe that changes if they can get Hunter Henry back and going. But I think that their offense, they really seem to hum with Eckler. I saw several 
sets out there where he and Gordon were both out there. After getting gashed for over 200 yards by Fournette the week before, Denver actually made a couple of lineup changes on defense. They mm-hmm. actually, their former starting tight end was inactive last week, and they put some different defensive linemen in there. Okay. And I don't know if it was just those changes or a combination of the changes and the Chargers struggling, but they really could not get any running game going. They could not give Phillip Rivers a lot of time. So he was having to make a lot of short, quick throws. I think we've seen that in a lot of the tougher defenses they've played. And Austin Eckler is just a very talented weapon. I am I know Anthony Lynn talked about the kind of 70-30 split, uh, but I'm wondering if that's more pertaining to the running game. And Austin Eckler ends up still being a passing game weapon. And, you know, one of the reasons he's been such a valuable running back throughout the first part of the season has really been his passing game prowess. He's been fine as a runner, but it's been the touchdowns, the receptions, the yardage as a pass receiver that have really done it. And, you know, I feel like he's almost the third receiver for uh, the Chargers right now. Uh, And seeing how their offense went, like I said, both backs went in there a couple of times. Um, I think it gives them a dynamic wrinkle. I do not think he's going away. I don't think you can expect the ceiling maybe that we had when he was the man back there, but mm-hmm. I think he's definitely a flex play. Well, that would make a lot of uh, Eckler fans happier, Eckler owners, because people got him later in the draft from fifth, sixth round with the Gordon News. Uh, that would obviously work uh, very well for them uh, if he's still viable in the in the passing game. And as you mentioned, Hunter Henry, there's a lot of talk that he will be back this week. So we could see Hunter Henry back, a guy that if uh, some people may have dropped him after the injury, if he's available on your waiver wise, I would go snag him. Although I'm not the biggest Hunter Henry fan in the world. A uh, tight end is a very bad position, so anybody you can get that might be able to produce is worth it. The other afternoon game was the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, not at all as close a game as the box score indicates here. 34-24 for the Packers. They were up big in this one. Uh, I mean, it was, I can't remember exactly um what it was but it was it was they were they were up fairly fairly i was gonna say easy here um they they were up a lot i know going into halftime the the cowboys had only scored uh actually they didn't score anything here we go i was trying to find it so they were up 31 to 10 going into the fourth quarter and then uh, a lot of garbage time production by the cowboys kind of brought them back into this one somewhat aaron Rodgers, 22 of 34 238 yards zero touchdowns zero interceptions to come in at qb 22 with 14.9 points the player of the day for the packers aaron jones 19 carries 107 yards and four touchdowns added 75 yards on seven catches to come in at rb1 on the week with 49.2 points <laughs> Outside of him, though, there really wasn't anybody else. I mean, we saw Jimmy Graham get involved a little bit here. 41 yards on three catches to come in at tight end 18 with Uh, 7.1 points. But that was really it. Allison, not much. 28 yards on two catches. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling had the one catch, and that was it. I really feel like for me, and I'm taking Aaron Rodgers out of this as well because he has definitely struggled for me, outside of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, I do not feel com- comfortable starting anybody on this Packers offense. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Jimmy Graham's probably a dart throw tight end, too. Uh, the targets just aren't there. He got three for 41, only was targeted three times. 
And he thought in a game where they didn't have Devontae Adams, he might get maybe some goal line targets uh, that didn't seem to materialize. I think the real question, too, is have we turned a corner with Aaron Jones? Um, you know, Jamal Williams is possible to come back this next week. Do they go back into a split, or has Jones finally said, hey, if you can actually feature me, I can do this for you, and they've turned a corner? That uh, will be interesting to see. Yeah, Aaron Jones truthers such as myself and, and, and owners are really hoping that the, the latter is true and that they just keep running him and, and, and using him more than Williams because he, Williams has definitely looked decent at times, but I don't think he's got near the explosiveness or the ability that Aaron Jones has. On the Cowboys side, Dak comes in at QB6 on the week with 33.9 points, 27 to 44, 463 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Zeke really, I mean, outside the touchdown does not do much in this game. 62 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. Comes in at RB12 with 18 points, just two catches for 29 yards. Amari Cooper has himself a wonderful day here. 11 catches for 226 yards and a touchdown. Coming in as wide receiver three on the week with 39.6 points. And Michael Gallup in his first game back balls out as well. Uh, 113 yards on seven catches and a touchdown coming in at wide receiver 11 with 24.3 points. As I mentioned, a lot of garbage time in this game. The, the Packers were handily winning this. Really that third, the end of the third and then fourth quarter, the, they just kept throwing the ball and, and Amari made a nice play where he kind of shook off J- Jair, uh, Jackson, um, uh, on the sideline and was able to run for, for a very lengthy touchdown. Michael Gallup had a nice touchdown catch. I do think that Gallup being there is actually starting to hurt Zeke. We saw it a little bit last year when Gallup really started getting involved in, in the in the passing game. Zeke started losing out less and less catches, and I feel like if you look at the at least his uh, the box scores the past couple weeks with Gallup out, Zeke has been getting targeted and getting more receptions. And now that Gallup comes back, he just gets two again. What do you think this means for Zeke and, and his future prospects here in the game? A lot of people drafted him as a high-end RB before, obviously, the holdout. Even if, say, the holdout never happened, he was likely going third behind CMC or Barkley, maybe fourth if you wanted to take him after Kamara. I feel like if he's not going to be that involved in the receiving game, he's not going to finish as a top-five running back. What are your thoughts on Zeke? I think that might be the reality we're looking at because you know the next few weeks— Dallas plays against some softer pass defenses, but then they start a stretch where they play tougher defenses altogether. They have Minnesota, Detroit, the Patriots, uh, and the Bears in there. Um, so, you know, it certainly feels like they, they got a new offensive coordinator this year. Zeke wasn't there all offseason. They really were touting and developing their pass offense. It's a contract year for Cooper and Prescott, who are – both looking to show what they can do. You add in Gallup in the mix, who's really come along, and I just think it could be a product of a better pass offense for Dallas has diminished a little bit of Cooper's or or, uh, Ezekiel Elliott's opportunities. It's almost, to me, the reverse of what we're seeing in Carolina, where it's really Christian McCaffrey, and then I don't know what you're going to rely on. At the beginning of the year last year, Dallas really had nothing going on uh, in terms of passing targets. Now they even have Jason Witten back, that great security blanket. Randall Cobb is their third receiver, a guy who uh, you know, spent most of his career catching passes from Aaron Rodgers and bulking up a Green Bay offense. All of a sudden, there's a embarrassment of riches in the passing game for Dallas 
And I think that gives them a different kind of offense. I would also say game script here scripted them out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were up so big that they took Zeke out and Pollard came in and ran for 100 yeah. yards. So, uh, you know, a little bit of this is fluky. He was easing himself back in at the beginning of the season. They've hit a couple of game scripts where they were negative. I think there will still be times where you get big Elliott games, but, uh, you know, it almost might be where we're kind of seeing with Kamara. Um, Kamara has had a couple of big games, but he's also had just a, a variety of steady and okay games. He's, his floor is really great because of involvement, uh, but you just may not be getting the high highs for Ezekiel Elliott this year. Yeah, I think that that's realistically the case here, and it's kind of sad to see a guy that a lot of people had talked about, obviously being one of those top picks. He, he might be falling down here a, a little bit this year. Hopefully we're wrong, as again, a lot of people drafted him high. I know I took him uh, high in both of uh, in our FLA Riders League and a couple of other main leagues when, when he was dropping down the board due to the holdout. I took him thinking he was going to have a good year, and, and I'm not going to lie, I'm starting to worry a little bit about that. So guys, I think it's time I I need to finally admit or apologize to Mr. Amari Cooper. I, I I've been saying you're average. You you have you have brick hands. I've I've routinely called you Amari Brick Hands Cooper or Pooper, depending on, on, on the mood that I was in that day. You had a, a very good back half of the season there with the Dallas Cowboys and, and uh, Dak Prescott, and I did not expect that to continue this year. While I do still think you are a very good NFL wide receiver, possibly even elite, right right there on the cusp of being elite for the NFL, I, uh, I, I do not think that you are that great of a fantasy wide receiver. You have definitely balled out so far this season. Uh, you know, upwards of 20 points in four of five games. You reminded me just how much you can suck against Marcus Lattimore, but then again, he did go and shut down Mike Evans this past week, so maybe, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was a fluke. fluke. So I guess what I, what I drafted this up for and, and what I was supposed to do here is is apologize to you, Sir Cooper, as, as I have denounced you and 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 spoken ill of you and and being a fantasy asset uh this season you you currently sit as wide receiver three or two depending on your scoring in fantasy football because of how well you have played this first five weeks so i guess i will not apologize are you guys kidding me with this crap apologize for Amari Cooper. Guys, I get it. He's been phenomenal. I can't take that away from him. He has been really, really good. Damn good. In fact, he's probably won you almost every single week that you've had him in your starting lineup in these first five weeks. Again, opposite of last week, we only put up nine points. But he has been phenomenal. But they haven't played anyone. This is the first game they played. And let's just be honest here. If fucking Jackson or Alexander, whatever his name is, knew how to tackle, he doesn't get a 70-yard touchdown run or 50-60, whatever the hell it was. Who cares? Yes, he got a lot of garbage time production. Take away that garbage time production. What does he get? Nothing. I know, Matt. You're going to look at me and say, well, you know what? It still counts in fantasy. He got garbage time production. I don't care. Amari Cooper is not good. Okay, I take that back. He is good. He's decent. He is a very good NFL wide receiver. But I'm telling you right now, I'm sticking to my 
like guns. If I didn't, I wouldn't be a very good fantasy an- analyst. No, probably not. Anyways, I'm sticking with it. Amari Cooper is not finishing in the top 10 at wide receiver. It's final. That's what I'm calling for. And I'm sticking with it. I'm not going to back off my guns no matter how often you Twitter trolls come at me or everybody else. Amari Cooper while still a very good fantasy wide receiver, is not finishing in the top 10 this season. In fact, I would almost say sell high on Mr. Cooper. Let's move on to the next game now. Uh, We've got uh, the Sunday night football game here was a defensive struggle between the Colts and the Chiefs. On the Colts side, Jacoby Brissett, 18 to 29, 151 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. Did get a nine yard rushing touchdown. I'm sorry, did get a rushing touchdown though, nine yards on six rushes to come in at QB 21 with 16.9 points. Marlon Mack has a good game, 132 yards on 29 rushes, as 16 yards on three catches to come in at RB 15 with 17.8 points. And then T.Y. Hilton comes in at wide receiver 49 with 7.7 points, just 37 yards on four catches. Still a little bit banged up here uh you know really not much for me on this one Uh, I thought the Colts did a really good job showed how you can beat the Chiefs in dominating time of possession by running the ball and playing good defense not really turning the ball over my big question on the Colts side neither one of us are Marlon Mack believers he has not done really anything outside of that week one game is it time to believe in Mack again I think Mac, because of volume and opportunity, is a strong RB2. Um, and there's definitely some upside. You saw they, they definitely featured him, and he handled a pretty significant workload here. Gets you three receptions and 16 yards when they only had 150 passing yards. Gets 29 carries, 132 yards. Um, so, you know, I think the plan here, it's going to vary a little bit from game to game. I think the plan here was to try to run a lot, dominate the clock, and keep the Chiefs' offense off the field, and that works for them. Yeah, on the Chiefs' side, uh, we saw Patrick Mahomes kind of uh, drop down a little bit. He was humanized a little bit. He he bled, and they took adva- they took advantage of it. Did get uh, hurt here. Uh, his right tackle stepped on his ankle, which I imagine did not feel good at all. Is what, what kind of hindered him a little bit. Twenty two at thirty nine, three hundred and twenty one yards, and a touchdown to come in at QB thirteen on the week with twenty six point oh four points. Damian Williams led the led the running backs here. RB forty six with six point eight points, twenty three yards on nine carries, added fifteen yards on three catches. We saw Shady McCoy literally not get in a carry this entire game, but did get. 23 yards on two catches to come in at RB64 with 2.3 points. Byron Pringle was the man of the day here. 103 yards on six catches and a touchdown to come in at wide receiver 12 with 22.3 points. Hardman, wide receiver 31 with 11.3 points, 79 yards on four catches. Travis Kelsey tied an eighth with 12.5 points, 70 yards on four catches. For the for the Chiefs here, obviously I do think some of it had to come back to Mahomes' uh, ankle being hurt early in this one. We saw Watkins out with the injury. The big thing for me, we also know Hill is coming back soon as well, which which I think will help this offense. The big thing for me is we saw Darrell Williams out there quite a lot as well. Didn't do anything box score-wise, but was getting added into the rotation quite often. Are you trusting any of these running backs at this point in Williams, McCoy, and Darrell Williams? No, I, I just think it's it's too hard 
uh, to get a feel for what they want to do uh, week to week, and they have too many guys. And, you know, maybe in a couple of weeks, if we can see a more defined pattern, that'll help. But, um, you know, it, it, it was a total wasteland uh, for fantasy. I played Damien in a couple places, thought he might get featured. He arguably had more significant touches in terms of carries and receptions, but uh, it was not a lot. It wasn't a great week for them either. Uh, it just feels like their whole offense has uh, taken a little bit of a step back the last couple of weeks. I have to see they're playing the Texans this week. Obviously, they were just involved in a shootout, so maybe that will open things up a little bit. But um, really hard to get a, to feel confident about any of the running backs based on their usage. All right, time to talk about the game of the weekend or week or whatever you want to talk about. I, I really thought about just completely skipping this game altogether. The Cleveland Browns versus San Francisco 49ers. The Browns 3, 49ers 31, 49ers move to 4-0. and oh. On the Browns side, Baker Mayfield just struggled in this one. I don't even think that's a fair way to put it. He looked like shit. 100 yards, 8-22, of 22, two interceptions, lost a fumble, coming at QB 30. 34 with negative two points. Chubb was the only one who looked decent on the day for the most part. Uh, 87 yards on 16 carries, added a one-yard catch for 12 yards. Again, RB 31 with 10 points. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver 30 with 11.5 points, 75 yards on four catches. Odell, wide receiver 63 with 5.25 points, 27 yards on two catches. The Browns, I made a joke on here that their their bus broke down and they sent their freshman squad out there. At least that's what it looked like because they just looked awful from the word go. Uh, I think it was awful play calling. The offense just looked bad. The defense didn't do much better. I do think all things aside on how bad the team looked, they were actually in the game close into the end of the second quarter there until the uh, the pass that should have been a touchdown. Antonio Callaway, who's always struggled in catching the ball, uh, kind of tipped the ball in the air at the goal line. Uh, they intercepted and returned it to about the 40-yard line. Uh, then they ended up going and putting some more points on the board. I think that really kind of hurt the Browns. My big question with them is, well, what do we do with Beckham now? I mean, this is he's really only had the one good game, and that was really kind of a lucky touchdown play on that slant route where he took it to the house. Outside of that, he has done nothing. Uh, he has really not looked like he belongs in this offense. I don't know if that's the offensive line, play calling, Baker, whatever's going on here. Uh, is it time, like I asked with DeAndre Hopkins, is it time to lower expectations? And what are we lowering our expectations to with Beckham? Yeah, I'd almost say at this point he's almost in the Juju Smith-Schuster range. Um, just because, you know, it's not necessarily – because the offense is downgrade, but he they also have another option with Jarvis Landry. They also have a running game they could choose to, to lean on. I think what we're seeing is hopefully they're going to be better games than this, but they're, the next four weeks, they have a somewhat brutal schedule. Yeah. Uh, as you know, They're home for the Seahawks, a team that's pretty much red hot, uh, that just uh, beat the Rams. Then they're on the road at New England. They're at Denver, a team that seems to be figuring some things out. You figure Beckham's probably going to get Chris Harris in that game. Yeah. And then they're home to the Bills, another team that's stifling on defense. Uh, to me, I probably am starting Chubbs still. I'm probably starting both receivers. I don't think even in a two-quarterback league, I'm feeling good about starting Mayfield the next few weeks. No. He put up a negative two. Yeah. Uh, he 
going to have better games than that, but you know, I think the weight of expectations, things, I always thought they had a, a better chance at really making a move second half of the season. I still feel like that's the case. It could be some some rough sledding until it gets better. Yeah, I mean, the only time I would feel comfortable, this is coming from someone who owns Baker in a lot of leagues, uh, the only game I'm going to feel comfortable starting him right now is, is November 14th when they play at home against the Steelers, just based on what we've seen. And even then, I'm a little iffy because while Pittsburgh offense has not looked that good, their defense has been obviously the week after. You have the Dolphins, which you would feel pretty comfortable starting him, but that that's still four weeks away right now. So definitely a brutal schedule, as you mentioned. I mean, even... Even if you think the Broncos are going to be an interesting game, that defense has has looked good. And as you said, Chris Harris being on Beckham likely is going to shut him out. Uh, you know, they they seem to have, as you pointed out earlier, kind of fixed the run or fixed the the against the run. So if Chubb is shut down, I'm not sure what their offense is going to be able to do. So yeah, I'm, I am I am seriously worried about just them. Just playing in uh, just playing in Mile High at altitude can take effect. I, I think too for Baker, what you have to consider, uh, and this this impacts Chubb as well. The Browns' offensive line has looked a little more suspect than maybe we realized they were going to be. It seemed like we're more suspect week one because Robinson got ejected, but they haven't been incredible, and they're going to face some pretty stout pass rushers as well the next couple of weeks, you know, guys who uh, are known for being able to get in there. So it's, you know, the Browns have a lot of questions they need to ask. Uh, It might be worth wondering if Kitchens would be better off turning play calling duties over to an offensive coordinator so he can focus on managing the game. Uh, There was a lot of weight of expectations for Cleveland. I don't know if that was totally fair to think of them going from winless to the Super Bowl in two seasons. I still think there are the pieces of a good team there. It may just take them half a season and some tough games to figure it out. Well, I don't think it's a question. He needs to turn the play calling over to Todd Munkin, in my opinion. And uh, I, I'm with you on the offensive line. It's funny. Uh, we were all so excited about them getting Odell Beckham. We kind of overlooked the fact that they gave up Zeitler, who was considered one of the best guards in the game. And I do think that it has really hurt them because the one thing you could say about that line last year is they really only had the one weak spot, which was left tackle, where Greg Robinson did play fairly decent. Now they lose Zeitler, and they're putting Hubbard in there at guard, and, and I feel like they've got a weakness on both sides of the line now so I do think that that has really hurt them but you know something that we just mentioned about the uh uh, the offensive line of Aaron Freddie Kitchens is I do think that is part of the issue. One of the things last night that just drove me insane was they obviously, San Francisco has four first round picks on that front line. They have a phenomenal defensive line that was getting after Baker all day. Why you didn't take that aggressiveness and use it against him in some screen passes or some quick passes is beyond me. Uh, I still feel like they're trying too much to try and play this hero ball crap where, where Baker rolls out and is throwing these balls 30, 40 yards down the field. What, in my opinion, as I watched every single game last year, what really helped them was was those short passing, which we saw just a couple weeks ago against Baltimore. The short passes, using the run game, and then using those the the run game and the short passes to hit the big plays later on in the game with some play action or stuff like that to hit the big plays later in the game. Uh, they just seem to have completely moved away from that and just trying to score a touchdown on every play, and it's just not going to happen. We're, we're not playing Madden. You're, you're not playing in high school football anymore. This is the NFL. It's not even college football. You can do that in college. 
This is the NFL. You're going to play stiff competition every single week. Even Miami is going to give you fits at times. Why they, they seem content on just trying to throw the ball 80 yards on one play is beyond me. Hopefully they get it fixed. We'll see what happens. As, as you mentioned, not an easy schedule coming up for them. So there, there's a, as I said a couple weeks ago, there's a very realistic shot they're going to be sitting here at two and five coming in, uh, coming into the, the middle half of the season here. And, and yes, they do have a, a weak schedule in the back half, but being two and five is not going to win you your division. And what, what we've seen in the AFC so far, I don't think going eight and eight or nine and seven is going to win you a wild card either. So rough sledding ahead for the Browns on the 49ers side. Uh, I mean, they're four and no oh and sitting pretty right now. Did not have to do much offensively for the most part due to their defense. Jimmy G, 20-29, 181 yards and two touchdowns are coming at QB 15 with 23.9 points. Matt Breida had himself a day, 114 yards on 11 carries and a touchdown. Also caught a touchdown pass as well. Um, for 50, It was a 15 yards, uh, 7 yard touchdown catch on three catches to come in, as I said, RB4 with 27.9 points. Tevin Coleman's first game back, he had a good game as well. RB19 with 15.7 points 97 yards on 16 carries and a touchdown in this one wide receivers not and nobody really did anything here goodwin was the best 41 yards on three catches none of these guys really that relevant george kittle though uh, finally has a huge bounce back game here coming in tight end one with 20.8 points 70 yards on a touchdown six catches did get an 18 yard rush as well uh, mentioned the defensive line just balling out in this one. Uh, Breida and Coleman split pretty evenly, actually, in this one. I think both of them are flex worthy. Um, I'd be I'd be fairly comfortable starting both of them, uh, and then but really outside of them and George Kittle, there's nobody I trust on this offense. These wide receivers seem to be up and down every single week, uh, and, and Jimmy G really hasn't proven anything to me either throughout these first four or five weeks of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, San Francisco 49ers offense? Yeah, I think that's fair. It's a little bit of whack-a-mole with the receivers. I, I like the talent of Debo Samuel, but we haven't seen him establish himself. Uh, Marquise Goodwin has that speed, could hit a big one, but we haven't really seen that. Last night, Kendrick Bourne was in there. Pettis was in there. You just don't know week to week uh, what they're going to get done. And somebody I heard, even heard on NFL radio talking about, we'll just wait till Trent Taylor gets back there. He'll probably <laughs> uh, start getting a lot of targets. You know, that's not what you want to hear. 49ers receivers. Uh, I don't know if you feel good about Kittle. We talked about, he was steadily getting targets and receptions. Uh, and I just said, all he was really missing was the touchdowns. Well, lo and behold, he gets the touchdown last night and he's t- tight end one. I think all the people that lost faith on him I, in my work league, you will love this, a small fantasy actual game aside. Uh, last week when he was on bye after a, a kind of a mediocre start to the season, somebody cut him, and so hmm. I scooped wow. him up, and I played him as my starting tight end last night against the guy who had cut him, and uh, that guy has Aaron Jones, but I have... Uh, Cooper and a couple of other people, we were the two highest scorers in the league. He put up in standard 10-team PPR, he put up 190.2 points. I had 175 points going into last night, and it was George Kittle that put me over the top. So I think he has some regrets. All those people that thought, oh, well, Kittle just doesn't have it. He's Gary Barnage are rethinking their entire life plan right now. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have both preached on here since week one, where he actually had a fairly decent game week one and, again, had two touchdowns called back. Uh, I've been saying it this whole time, going into week three, going into the bye week. So far this year, he had actually outscored himself last year, where he had a historic season for tight ends. He had more receiving yards than any other tight end in history in a single season last year, and he was doing better this year for fantasy. It's just been the touchdowns. He has just not scored touchdowns like he did last year. Finally got one uh, this week. Obviously, I think Kittle is going to be fine moving forward. Uh, before we get out of here really quick, we'll talk a little bit more about this on Thursday. Uh, but news has come out today that Evan Ingram has a chance. Or it's likely he is not going to play Thursday due to a knee issue. And it also looks like Barkley is likely not going to play as well. Uh, I would not necessarily pick up Hillman uh, at the running back position um, for the Giants. I do think he's only going to be in there this week. Uh, and I wouldn't trust anybody going up against the Patriots defense and how historically good they have been uh, but just to kind of give you guys a heads up on that there was a lot of talk Barkley might play looks like it's leaning toward him not playing in Ingram as well Matt thank you so much for joining me today I look forward to talking to you on Thursday yep sounds good have a good night prepare for glory I don't know if you got your popcorn ready if you got your popcorn ready I came out the wrong line ready and he's hit the end zone Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?